Welcome back, friends, to another episode of the She vs. World podcast. It's your girl, Danielle, here, and I am pumped for today's episode because not only is it with one of my dear friends, my dear friend also happens to be the powerhouse marketing force behind a couple of brands you maybe have heard of, like L'Oreal, Vital Proteins, Therabody. Do any of them sound familiar? If you have seen a social media campaign, if you have seen an influencer touching any of those products, we all have my dear friend, Amanda Lehner to thank. Now, Amanda is a marketing consultant. She works in the brand and product space. She is, like I said, the powerhouse behind some of the biggest and best influencer and social media strategies that we have seen. She's responsible for hundreds of millions of likes and follows in accounts. She's been through billion dollar acquisitions for these brands and products. And through it all, she has been able to be a steady force in the ever-changing world that is social media, which we just absolutely love, right? And so Amanda, who I know way back from the days of spinning in a dark spin room together, true story, it's how we met, is really sharing with us not just her amazing career story of how she has built the social media and influencer strategy for literally the biggest household names, but how she is now taking her skills as a full-time marketing consultant and how she is helping brands understand the evolution and changing face of influencer marketing and social media, how she's helping brands understand how we can use social media to educate, empower, and engage with our customers and our customer base, how we as service providers can build authority and community on social media. Super key. I was taking so many notes at that point. And mostly, you know, some of the darker sides of social media, like the performative posting, cancel culture, all of those things that we want to talk about. She is spilling the tea and it is piping hot. So this is definitely a conversation. You know, when I say it feels like a conversation between you and your best friend, this is actually just a conversation with me and my very dear friend. So enjoy our quirkiness. (laughs) And I hope you guys have as much fun listening to this episode as we did recording it. So you and I met in spin class like eight years ago. Fiercely competing against each other. Fiercely competing against each other. And we each knew we were and everyone else in that room was oblivious. Yeah. I, like, okay, friends. But like, I also knew you as that, like, that like bitch on the treadmill who was like way faster than I would ever be. And so I was like, maybe I can beat her in the spin room. <laughs> Yeah, but no, but also one day I had the courage to walk up to you after class and you were like putting in work after class. I was like, dude, like you're so impressive. Like, can we be friends? Can we be friends? (laughs) The rest is history. And the rest is history. I mean, that's how the best friendships are made, I think. I agree. And now it's seven years later and we're both in completely different parts of our lives almost seven years to the dot i will say wow do you have that in your calendar yeah i have a anniversary of our friendship will you will you send me that invite (laughs) that's the only way we hang out now (laughs) it's our seven year anniversary (laughs) oh my god we're gonna make it past the seven year itch okay like hype girls for life seriously i think i wish more people had friends like you because We will go a while without talking and it's not personal and it's totally just like understood because we both are just grinding our asses off. 
And then we get on a Zoom call on a random Thursday and it's just like, it's like not a minute has passed. Literally. And I feel like there's very few people in the world, especially in terms of friendships, where you can just pick up where you left off, even if it's been a month or a year or a decade or whatever. And it's like not a day went by, you know, and I've, I've always felt that way with you. I've also kind of felt like I've known you my entire life, which is interesting because it's only been seven years, which is small percentage of my life, but we can pretend. We're still very young though. <laughs> Somebody today was like, how old are you? I was like, oh, you don't ask that question, um, but it's fine. I, Absolutely I not. And then God forbid they guess older than you actually are and you oh, Lord. spiral. I'm like, okay, this isn't fun. This isn't what we signed up for. Not a chance, no. Well, well, here we are. So, so fam, you get to listen to this. You get to listen to me and my dear friend, Amanda Laner. She's, she's not going to brag about herself. Well, I hope she does, but she's probably one of the most impressive people in social media. I'm not kidding. Um, full-time marketing consultant for brands and products. Amanda was responsible for the social media marketing and influencer strategy for brands that you, you may have heard of like L'Oreal, maybe, I don't know. Vital proteins. Do we, do we have, have you ever seen those before? The blue can? Yeah. Therabody. She's been through billion dollar acquisitions. She has literally created influencer strategies like the first time the internet was invented. And she gets she gets to be one of my good friends and she gets to join us today to chat. So hi Amanda. Hi. I'm seriously I'm so excited to be here. Like I feel like we've been manifesting this for seven years. And it's just like cool to see everything that we have talked about and dreamed about and worked hard for like come to life. And now here we are talking. Can we make this our full-time thing instead? Like let's go quit our businesses and just podcast. I'm down for that. Or we could just like stream our lives like eight hours a day. Like (laughs) I think like really, (laughs) I think I'm going to need to keep this bad laptop camera. If I'm going to stream my life for eight hours a day. Oh my God. Honestly, same people don't need to see that. (laughs) Definitely don't need to see that. So, okay. Did I nail, did I nail your bio? Did I like do justice to the greatness that is your career? Oh my God. You went above and beyond. I mean, it's really not that impressive, but I've, I've done a few things in my, in my career, uh, working in social and influencer marketing and for some big brands, some small brands that started small and are now huge. So it's, um, it's honestly, kind of crazy to look back and be like wow like I've accomplished all of this and like I was a part of that and you know I've seen so much change in the world of social media and influencer marketing considering when I worked at L'Oreal I literally got asked a question one day by my director and she was like Amanda have you heard of these like influencers like there's all this buzz about an influencer and like, we need to figure out an influencer strategy. And I was like handling public relations and some different things um, at the time. And I remember going back to my desk and literally no one knew what an influencer was. So like, I was like, I don't know what to do. So I went to YouTube and um, typed in Redkin in the search bar. And turns out there were all of these like colorists and stylists and different people like talking about the brand and and using the products on their clients and building their businesses through content. 
and they were getting millions of views and subscribers and like to be honest those people were like the original influencers um people who were using social media to grow their business and um and to educate people and it's kind of interesting to see how it's shifted and how far it's come and also some of the ways in which it's working backwards um and kind of like getting back to the roots of what it was and um kind of like helping empower people who are using social media to educate and connect and engage not just you know sell something or sell themselves <laughs> so I think you you said like 7,000 things there that like I really want to unpack but the biggest one is you've seen the evolution of influencer marketing because like you started doing it what 10 years ago like 15 plus years ago when it was like not a thing like when people were going on YouTube because they didn't know where else to put themselves and then you built vital proteins like we know the the powerhouses that they have worked with their body the professional athletes they worked with and then you kind of said it it like it went too far and it's come back so like tell us about how has influencer marketing evolved well the original influencer marketing and the way it worked back in the day was you would send people products you do mailings send them to everyone like get people to post about you want a fee oh we're not paying you we're going to give you products for sure though like feel free to tag us and like you know, you build those relationships in that way. And by doing, by doing it that way, you were able to find people who like truly loved your brand and your products and authentically wanted to be a part of your community and use your products in everyday life. So um, there was not too much that was fake about it 10 years ago, I will say, because people weren't necessarily monetizing off of brands or products yet. Um, and then I think you kind of fast forward to maybe eight years forward where influencers, whether it was YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, you name it, they're getting paid six, seven figures for a single post because brands and companies saw influencer marketing as the new advertising. So they were pulling mm. advertising dollars from traditional media outlets, whether that's magazines, TV, websites, you name it. And they're investing solely in influencer marketing as their advertising, which is great because you get impressions, you get awareness, and you get all of this, but like, is it authentic? Is it really building like long-term brand loyalty and engagement? You're shelling out millions of dollars a year on your influencer marketing strategy, um, but you're not retaining customers and you're not building true brand love and loyalty and affinity. So I think we've seen a shift to where brands are starting to go back a little bit to more of the original way of building communities and working with more like micro influencers and nano influencers and truly trying to find highly engaged loyal brand advocates and and building their presence and their awareness and building their brands in that capacity because consumers see through it now they see through paid social media posts and at the end of the day that doesn't work in a lot of brands favors so that's just kind of my two cents on it um in terms of influence and marketing but yeah it's been really weird to see to see a shift and just i guess to see it kind of transform and who knows what it's going to look like six months from now i love what you talked about about like the pay to post because i feel like one like for as a business coaching perspective i always tell my clients like if a brand sends you something like 
you're, you shouldn't be obligated to post about it unless you genuinely like it or like you're in some sort of contractual agreement. But like, there's nothing more awkward and like, I'll own it. Like I've participated in this where like, I will get offered a lot of money. Like back when I was doing like my fitness thirst trap days on social media, where I would be offered a lot of money to be like, hold a Luna bar and I'll pay you a thousand dollars. And I'm like, I can post a Luna bar in a picture for a thousand dollars. And and like, I'm embarrassed to say that out loud, but like that has actually happened to me. And it's like, did that thousand dollars convert? Is there any ROI that Luna bar can be like, dad, Danielle's dead brought so many people into buyer bars. No, like what the, you know, like, and it's also like from a creator standpoint, it's really hard when brands are just like, here's money because, you know, you want to create as a job, but from a brand standpoint, it's also like, what are you doing? Just throwing money out and hoping that somebody will be like, sure, I'll buy that because some random person posted about it. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say it's, I wouldn't say it's uncommon for that to happen. I mean, we see so many influencers now that all they do is is sell products and forget about the brand, forget about Lunabar, but like you as Danielle Stead, um, you know, how did that partnership like benefit you long-term? And unfortunately, I've seen so many influencers, regardless of their following size, that have just become sellouts for, for lack of better terms. And I don't mean that in a bad way, but like brands now look at influencers and they're like oh all this person does is paid partnerships like we don't want to work with them it's like not authentic you know so i think both sides of it like there's a lot of accountability that needs to be held like sure you're not going to post about a product that you don't like or love or whatever but is it something that like you genuinely want to share with your community because it's your reputation online you know it's like Come on, right? Like mm. authentic. And I, I'll always use the word authentic because whether it's social media or influencer marketing, the only way you're going to grow a brand and a community that is engaged is by being authentic, by creating content that's authentic from a brand side and from an influencer side. Like I think consumers are so educated today that like they can see through. Um, a post or a piece of content. They know when it's not authentic and they're not going to engage. Why would they when there's so many other brands to choose from or so many other influencers to follow, like unfollow? I'm really curious from your perspective because like you actually have the data to support whatever the answer to this is. But like, you know, let's say like, let's go back to this Lunabar post. And like, I'm sorry if you work for Lunabar. I'm just like totally shitting on you guys right now. And I apologize. But like, okay, you, guys, you know, I mean, like I love a good lemon Lunabar. Like, come on. But like, here we go. So you guys could actually see the analytics of it. So you could see like, okay, this is the engagement from it and, and whatnot. But like, did you really see an ROI on those posts? Like, obviously like there has, the answer has to be yes, because like we wouldn't have spent billions of dollars, millions of dollars on influencers. But like, tell me from like a true marketer's standpoint, is it valuable? Because so many people I work with who have products and services are like, I want to run ads or I want to pay influencers to like come to my salon and get a service. Like, does it really work? And, you know, I guess the other question is, how does it work? Those are such loaded questions. Um, I don't know where to start, (laughs) but I mean, I, I feel like at the end of the day, it depends on what the goals for the brand are, right? It's like, if a brand is just looking at influencer marketing in terms of um, driving conversions and selling Luna bars, then I'm sure they sold some Luna bars from you posting, right? Like, great. Did they get like long-term loyal customers and 
um, true, I can't believe I'm saying this, Luna Bar lovers, I feel a marketing <laughs> campaign coming on. <laughs> <laughs> like people who genuinely follow the brand and engage with it on social and tell their friend, like, oh my God, did you try the new Luna Bar flavor? Like, because at the end of the day, that's the goal, right? The goal is to get people authentically talking about your product and like getting that word of mouth marketing, right? But then there's the other side of it where brands are investing in influencer programs that, um, that are focused on micro influencers and nano influencers because they believe that um, finding people who may not have a big following, they may have 5,000 followers who like, they don't care. They want people who are engaged and who are authentic and who are gonna text their friend like, oh my God, there's a new Luna Bar flavor at Erwan. Does Erwan sell Luna Bars? I don't know. But you you would actually know, like with your frequency of Erwan shopping. <laughs> <laughs> I can't say I've ever seen a Luna Bar at Erwan, but now I'm curious in my head. Now we gotta know. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like it just depends at the end of the day. Like, I mean, to really build a strong brand on social media, you're gonna have to invest heavily in influencer marketing. Um, from a product gifting perspective and from a fee perspective too, because as someone who's on the brand side, I would never send um, a product to an influencer regardless of their following and expect them to post about it for free. Like those days are done. Nothing is free in America. Like, I'm sorry, time isn't free. Your Instagram story isn't free. That's just not the day and age we're in. Um, but so so that's just one side of it and then if you're looking from an awareness perspective you have to be able to work with the larger influencers whether they're you know um kind of like mid-tier or mega influencers to get sheer awareness um so you have to be prepared to invest if you want to do it well and also um have the right team in place that can truly find people who love your brand and your products and it's authentic and it and all of the content and everything shows up as authentic. I feel like this is a great segue to also talk about you and your career where you have left corporate world and you've started your own agency specializing in marketing. And you are one, a badass for it. I want to talk about that transition, but a lot of brands are, you know, and, and when I say brands, I mean, people who are solopreneurs, people who have one or two employees, people who have five employees, like people who have an entire like shelf at support, like brands are now going to agencies and they are like looking to specialists to really step in and own this. And so, you know, let's say you're like a new service provider. Cause a lot of people in this community on this podcast are more service providers and they really want to get like their service out, their name out. They want to build a reputation maybe what are three to five of like the first steps or actionable items you would recommend for them, you know, with or without a budget, like in like the most dream world, how would you recommend that they start building that, that authority, that name, that community? Oh man, I would say, um, start with a plan. You know, if, if you want to focus on social media, um, and build awareness and build a brand and a community in that way, like, have at least a general plan. Um, speaking from experience, you don't always just want to jump into things. No, like, you can't do this. Like it's going to be great. <laughs> You're like, oh god, maybe I should have thought this through a little bit more. Like, oof. Um, so, like, have a plan and don't don't worry about the details. Don't get caught up in it. But like, have a vision, have a goal. Like, write down some goals. Like, if it's social media related, if it's content related, like, because you have to hold yourself accountable at the end of the day. If um you know if you're creating your content and you're posting and you're writing your captions say i'm going to film three reels a week or do you know get content two days this month that i can use over the course of my 
um, content calendar next month, you know, like think about it and um, think about topics that your that your audience and your community cares about. Like, what what do people want to see? Because you have to give the people what they want. Like, that's nothing new. And if you're not giving people what they want, they're not going to follow and they're not going to buy your services or invest in your business or whatever it might be, you know. Um, so I think those are a couple of key areas to start. And my last thing would say, I would say is, um, don't overcommit. It's better to, um, focus on quality versus quantity. So yeah, you want to do TikTok and you want to do Instagram and you want to do Twitter and you want to do everything, but like, let's be realistic here. Like focus on doing a couple of things really, really well. And, and, um, keep that at the core of your business versus oversaturating yourself and you know diluting your audience and really overcommitting yourself to things that probably aren't making an impact at the end of the day so quality over quantity then that goes with content as well like you don't have to post every day you especially if you're just posting to post like people don't care like i promise um so focus on quality always I think that's like the number one rule about everything we do is that like, it's really easy to get caught up in the noise, right? Like you said the word TikTok and that was like a, like a PTSD for me. Cause it's like, every time I've ever talked to, <laughs> same, uh, every time I've ever like talked to marketing people, the very first thing they do is they're just like, why are you on TikTok? And I'm like, no, I don't want to be on TikTok. And I don't care if my business doesn't make it and I'm doing like quotes right now, like, because I'm not on TikTok. And I think that that's what people need to understand is that your business isn't making or breaking it because you're not on YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook. Your, your business is make, not making it because you're fundamentally missing the mark in how you're communicating or how you're building community. A hundred percent. And like, maybe your, maybe your audience and your community or your consumers aren't on TikTok. Like you have to think about the demographics of each platform as well. Like, I was reading um, a study, maybe uh, maybe in like January or so, and it was talking about how this millennial on the on the subway in New York City was like, um, she overheard somebody next to her saying like, "Ew, why are you checking your feed or whatever?" And they were like, "Instagram is so dead." And this person was like, "Instagram isn't dead." And I mean, completely different podcast topic, right? But like, um, it's more so like. Instagram is the social media platform of our generation, right? Like TikTok is the social media platform of the younger generation. Like why would they care so much about, about TikTok? Like we grew up with Instagram. Our parents grew up with Facebook. So yeah. like they don't care so much about Instagram and then that doesn't mean it's dead. It just means that like different, different um, generations are grabbing, gravitating toward different social platforms based on whatever else is going around in the world around them. So focus on a channel is the point of the story, whether it's TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, maybe try to master too, but you have to think about where your community is at the end of the day and where they're going to want to consume your content and services and anything else. So I think that's a really, really valuable lesson that like, that's like business 101, right? It's like, who are you speaking to? And if you don't know who you're speaking to first, and like that's strategy. If you don't know who you're talking to, then like, don't talk, figure that out first and then figure out where they live and then figure out what they want to hear. And, and I think that like what you said about having a plan, it's always remarkable to me when people come to me and they just say like, I just started a business and I'm like, you did what? 
And they're like, I started a business. And I'm like, how are you going to get clients? How are you going to pay rent? How much are you charging for your services? What's your overhead? And it's the same discussion with social, but because it's like looked at as something fun, we don't think that we need to have a plan to be successful. So we just throw shit up there and hope it works. And then we're like, why don't I have hundred K followers or whatever that may be. But like, tell me what it's been like from your perspective, working with like influencers and working with brands of like, like, what is a brand strategy? Like if you're a service provider, like what is your brand strategy or what are like two things to think about? Well, I would say in terms of social media, you have to think about what channel is most authentic to your brand, right? And then again, who is your consumer and what channel are they going to be on? Um, so I think that that's, that's the first step. And I learned this at one of my companies. It's so funny. Like so many brands think that they have to be on every single channel in order to be successful, right? But it's like, why would this brand ever have a TikTok? Like their consumers aren't on TikTok. They their content doesn't resonate on TikTok. Like it just doesn't make sense, right? And uh, at one of the brands I was at, the, the key word day in and day out was we need to focus. Like we need to focus because you can't get this like shiny object syndrome is what I've started to call it. And just like every time you see something new and gravitate toward it, like, oh my God, I was at one company where um, the whole Twitter downfall spiral was, was oh happening. And um, there was some new platform that was like getting some buzz on like CNN or whatever. I can't remember the name of it to save my life now. Um, be real. Like, I don't know what that is, but I just know that be real. Is. Be real already had its blip and it's gone. Um, it started with an M. <laughs> I'm going to have to circle back on this one, but it was like some like Twitter competitor that was like, and, and my- I know what you're talking about. I also know what you're talking about. Okay. Oh, what is it called? It's going to I don't know, but you, have, you had to like be on a wait list to join it. Yeah, yeah. Yes, I know what you're talking about. And somebody like higher up in the company was like, literally on a weekend, like DMing me on Instagram. Can we look into a strategy for da da da? That's no. where everyone's going right now with Twitter falling. No. And I was like, okay, no, like not everything is reactive. We don't need to be on this channel. What is this channel? I'm not going to drop all my shit on a Sunday to figure out our what is the name of this channel. It's going to drive me absolutely insane. I'm going to find it. I'm going to totally find it. But as, as we're looking for it, I actually want to ask you a question about being reactive on social media. And then I'm going to move on from social because there's like so much I want to talk about with like your career and like your viewpoints on like transitions in corporate. However, yesterday was International Women's Day. And I'm going to just get on my soapbox for a second because you let me. And I think that there's so much performative garbage on social media. And in light of, you know, you've been, you've seen it all. Like you've seen COVID, you've seen the, you know, the Black Lives Matters, you've seen gender equi equity and equality, marriage rights. Like you've seen a lot of life happen and we've been luckily friends through all of it. And you have seen companies react and you've then seen people stupidly react. Talk to me a little bit about that. Just cause like, I just want to have the conversation. Like, how's that been for you? Oh my God. I have learned so much from some very good leaders when it comes to this space. And I'm going to start with um, a lesson that I learned while I was at Vital Protein, shout out Vital Proteins and my CMO at the time, who she is just one of the most amazing inspirational women, International Women's Day I have ever worked with. And it was when um, the Black Lives Matter movement started and you know brands were posting black squares and just like, being reactive and like, oh, we stand. And like, I would, I would never work for a brand that didn't stand for the BLM movement or anything like that. But like, as the head of social at the time, I was like, we need to post, we need to post. 
And my CMO called me, she's like, well, we had a, a meeting obviously. And she's like, we need to post and we will post, but we're not going to be reactive. We're going to learn. We're going to understand. We're going to um, create something meaningful within and outside of our organization that matters and that helps us learn and grow and educate and make a difference both internally and ex externally. We're not just going to post a quote to post a quote. We're not just going to post a statement to post a statement because that's not who we are. That's that's not authentic to us. And what does that matter? Like that's and I think it took us a week to post after the Black Lives Matter movement started because we looked internally at what we were doing as a company and we looked you know, at our various partners and how we were showing up and what we were doing. And we created an action plan and figured out how do we share this plan with our social community to show them that like, we're putting our money where our mouth is and we're walking the walk and talking the talk. We're not saying something just to say something. And then I look at days like yesterday and I have just for the record, I have carried that with me for the past, I don't know how many years and every single International Women's Day, Women's History Month, any like you name it. I'm just, I'm sorry, but I'm so sick of brands just posting to post. It's the same thing from the same brand every time. It's like, let's be authentic. Like, is this mm -hmm. real? Like, don't just post to post. Like, I, I don't know. Maybe it's me being in the space and being so overseeing the the reuse and repurposing of content and inauthentic messages and just like i'm like okay we all know that that's not a, a real reflection of your company or your influencer community or i don't know i just if you're gonna do a campaign around something important regarding society or a, a cause or an issue like think about it think about what you're saying and what you're posting and like make it meaningful and impactful and authentic. People, I, I mean, unfortunately, we also live in cancel culture where you post something, mm -hmm. people can go back and find something contradictory that you said or posted five, 10, 20 years ago, and they're gonna try to take you down for it. So like, why post if it's not um, something of value or important if it's just fake? I don't know, I'm, mm -hmm. this, is, this is a topic for me. Cancel culture is so interesting to me and I've had guests on the show who I've wanted to have like really deep open conversations with. And they've said, I don't want to say that. I don't want to be canceled. And, and I like say something very self-deprecating about like myself of like, Oh, you know, you're not going to cancel this podcast, but it's very funny to me that we exist on these platforms where people are okay sharing every aspect of their life, but at the same time, nothing that actually matters because they don't want to be canceled. And like, it's just such an interesting dichotomy of like, I'm going to show you my get ready. I'm going to show you, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to literally film getting dressed. Here's my underwear. Like we would rather be physically like naked than like emotionally vulnerable because we're so afraid of that. Yeah. It's a really, it's, it's really sad to where we've come like to like post for acceptance, I guess, as opposed mm -hmm. to like what, um, what is meaningful and authentic and represents who you are and what you stand for. Like, if you don't stand for something, what do you stand for, right? Like, mm. we can't all be the same. Like, and I think there's, you know, research and studies now show that 
people want brands and ambassadors and influencers and celebrities to stand for something and to have a point of view and to have um, a mission or a cause that they support as well. And that's something that's really important to consumers today when they're investing in a company or a product or a service or, you know, whatever it might be. Um, because we have to stand for something and hopefully that's, you know, a, a cause or organization or even a point of view that makes a positive difference in the world, right? Mm -hmm. I think that's mm -hmm. the goal at the end of the day. Yeah, agreed. So I want to segue a second because, you know, speaking of like people who like really stand behind, like you did something really cool recently and you quit your shitty job. <laughs> <laughs> you quit your shitty job. And it's funny because you have worked so hard. You worked so many corporate roles. You've worked yourself up the ladder to be a VP at a very, very young age at very, very large companies. And you decided to leave that corporate life as so many of our listeners and community members have and to, to start your own agency, which by the way, has been very successful. Go you. Talk to me about like the corporate experience and talk to me about how corporate has evolved and, you know, like without like spilling all the tea while we're recording, like the impetus for you to leave and to really like work for yourself and follow that passion. Oh man. Um, yeah. I mean, it's a scary and kind of crazy quick decision that I made um, in terms of life, but yeah, I've, I mean, I was in the corporate world for my entire career and I have just, I love working. You and I have talked about this forever. Like, I love what I do. I've always worked my ass off. I have gotten to where I am by working. I don't know anyone. I don't have a family anywhere. Like, I'm from the middle of nowhere in Kansas and I moved to New York City and went and got myself a job at L'Oreal. Like, that's mm -hmm. all there is. So, like, hard work is in my nature. And, um, you know, I've worked at a lot of companies, big and small. And I love, I love um, startups and entrepreneurial brands. And because a lot of times from my experience, you work with very talented, smart people who are coming together to build something really amazing. And that is truly going to change people's lives. I look at Vital Proteins, I look at their body. I'm like, wow, their mission, their product, the reason why they were founded is incredible and I wanna be a part of this and I believe in this company and this brand and I wanna move it forward, right? Um, and then you go to other companies where you're kind of like, wow, I, I, I'm I, not sure how they got this far. Like I thought, you know, I was here to, you know, <laughs> bring my expertise, which, um, you know, I, I have quite a bit of, I do know what I'm doing. Um, like, you know, I'm like, isn't this what I was hired for? And I think because of politics and structures and, and um, bureaucracy, for lack of better terms, um, a lot of times, how do I say this in a, in a nice way? Um, you don't have to be nice here. You just have to be real. <laughs> It's like, this isn't what I signed up for. Like, I don't want someone to tell me to put together a plan and a strategy and tell me, oh, we're not gonna do that. That's mm. my third strategy I've put together. Like, what do you want me to do? Why don't you do the strategy if you know how to do it so well, right? So like, I'm like, you know, day in and day out, 
working so hard. I'm like, what is the point of this? Like, this is not fun. This is not fun. This is quite miserable. And one day I was like, I'm like, I I can't do this anymore. Like, this isn't what I signed up for. Call it not a right fit, call it whatever you want. But I want to, I want to see my work come to life in some way. Right. Like, I don't want to be working for nothing. Like, why am I putting together decks and they're going nowhere? They're sitting in a Dropbox. Like, come on, let's be real. Um, so yeah, so I, I had enough and I was like, I am so, I know I'm good at what I do. I love what I do and I'm not doing it. So let's make a change, right? Like why spend your time being miserable when you only have one life and you don't have much time and like, no one's going to change it for you. Um, and your choice is either to complain and maintain status quo or to take a chance and take a risk that maybe you'll be happier and make a big change. Right. So yeah, I literally just quit my job one morning, got on a flight the next day to Stockholm to see, <laughs> uh, to travel, spend time, call my parents. I'm like, yeah, I quit my job. I'm going to go to Stockholm tomorrow. Da-da-da. They're like, wait, what? I'm like, I don't know. It's fine. I'm going to start my own company. Like and low key, I was like plotting in the background. Right. So um, it's been really, it's been a really nice change of pace to, um think about what i love doing and what my what my strengths are when it comes to marketing and social media and influencer marketing and writing and being creative and all of that and being able to do what i love with brands and companies and people who i love and i believe in and help them grow and achieve their goals regardless of whether that's building a 10,000 person micro influencer community or building a social media strategy from the ground up or building literally a full-on marketing strategy that a company has never had like you know like what's seo i'm like okay we're gonna go back to the basics but like truly it's it's so um it's so rewarding to be able to um use your knowledge and experience to work with others whether they're individuals or um, part of a company or company owners to help them build their business or sell their products or to launch products or whatever it it might be. But I think it's just been like such a good change to be honest with you. I'm so happy for you. When you, when you share that with me, I felt like I, I like felt like so more connected to you because I remember that moment of like leaving law and I didn't last nearly as long in corporate as you did, but I remember leaving law and being like, I have this skill set and I can help people and I can help their businesses. And I'm not going to do it sitting in this high rise while a partner throws a chair through a glass window, you know, which actually happened. Like, and, and it was this need to like, actually like we're laughing because it's true, but like it, it there's this, this deeper need to like actually use your skills and help businesses that we believe in, like become better And I think that that's where like a lot of people end up going off on their own is because they realize that like, you don't need a huge company behind you to do that. But, and this is something you and I have talked about a lot, like there is so much value to also getting a start working for someone else and learning on their dime and learning on their budget and getting experience and getting mentors. And it sounds to me like you do value that experience still like you talk about like your CMO from, you know, vital that without like you still like look up to and admire. Oh, absolutely. Like I, everything I learned, I learned at L'Oreal. I will say like, I was so young and 
you know, what they teach you in college turns out you don't really need in your job. Working Not a thing. <laughs> Never. And I learned the meaning of hard work and having to um, figure things out for yourself and seek information and find solutions and be creative and think outside the box, regardless of whether you have a multi-million dollar budget or no budget and um, how to work with other people and how to how to lead other people and um, inspire them and encourage them and I'm I'm truly like so grateful for all of the experience of experiences I've had at companies big and small and good or bad experiences because you and I've talked about this too like every <laughs> single one of them I took away a huge learning whether it's personal or business related like it's helped me to get to where I am now and to be um, happy with the decisions that I've made up until this point in my life, you know, to, mm -hmm. to leave my job and, and start my own company and get my own clients. And um, I wouldn't have been able to do it without the experience and the mentors and the support from friends and um, colleagues past, present, and future, all of it. So it's written people like you, like you and I, like, ugh, I wish there was more women supporting women, not to change the subjects, but like hype girls for life. Like we joke about it, but I'm like, I want people to succeed. Like, and I want people to want me to succeed. Like, why are we trying to bring each other down? Like, let's encourage each other and like empower each other to be the best they could possibly be. Like more of that. And I feel like I've just had a lot of really good friends and mentors and colleagues like and family members and you know everything in my corner that have helped me to be confident in my decision and i just like hope that everyone else um has that as well if they're going through you know some moment in their life where they're trying to decide like is this what i want to do like what's next what should i be doing because like it's okay to go through that i think everybody goes through that you've gone through it i've gone through it and like i still don't know what i'm doing to be honest some days i'm like what the fuck am i doing um and have a meltdown i, I still feel like that every day so yeah so there you go <laughs> it's normal like let's normalize having meltdowns um i don't know but can we make that brand campaign like how do we do that let's let's offline <laughs> corporate lingo. Sorry, 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 um sorry. normalize having meltdowns i think we can do uh we can do a reel on that or something like there's a lot behind that so like yeah that's a good idea um but yeah like nothing's gonna change unless you like take the initiative to make a change no one's gonna change anything for you no one's going to quit your job for you or start your company for you um if that does happen to be you let us know because that sounds exciting <laughs> I'll, I'll invest in that business my god <laughs> right but yeah i don't think that's the reality so something you said that was like really valuable and i was venting to you offline about it is that we're coming from places of experience right and like this is not meant to turn this into like event session but what is it like as somebody that is so experienced and like you bring receipts and I don't just mean like, like pull up any of these like companies pages, like those hundred thousand million followers, like that's Amanda, like that's you, like you and I've talked about this and like, look at these billion dollar acquisitions. Like that's you. And those are your marketing campaigns. Like, how does it feel? Cause I know how it feels when somebody comes on the scene with zero, zero days of experience and charges like $500 an hour for a business consulting. Like Everyone is a social media manager now. Everyone is a business coach now. How do you kind of, you know, find that balance with what that is 
and like still maintain that confidence in yourself and still just kind of stay the course knowing there's just so much out there. No, I think that this is a quote from you that I'm going to spit back at you, but know your work and then add tax. Isn't that what they say? Like I invented that phrase. Yes, I did. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to coin you for that. Maybe you're the first person, but like, no, all jokes aside, like be confident in what you bring to the table. And if people think you're too expensive or don't want to implement your strategy or your ideas, like let them do it and see how it works. Don't waste your time on it. There's plenty of people out there and companies out there who um, will believe in you and who know your worth and want to work with you because of your experience and your expertise. Like if they don't value you, you don't need to value them. I swear there's plenty mm. of other things out there, maybe not value, but like, don't give them your time if they're not going to, if they're, if they don't value you or what you're doing um, or what you bring to the table, like, thank you next. It's not worth it. That applies to clients too. Like don't fuck around with these people that don't value like what you are doing for them. You know, it's like, I, I, one of my favorite expressions right now, and I like definitely stole it from someone else is like, if someone says you're too expensive, they're talking about their wallet, not your worth. And I think we forget that a lot. Yeah. And that, and that it's a hundred percent true. And that goes with, um, that goes with your time. That goes with your work. That goes, that goes for anything. Like I'll give you an example recently where, you know, you have different clients where you have a scope of work and a, a set fee and whatever. And, you know, it, it's the, it's the emails you get that are like, oh, can we jump on a call tomorrow? I'd love to pick your brain about X, Y, and Z. And you're like, you know, I'll, I'll throw you a bone on this one. And then you jump on the call and they actually want your entire strategy for something. Like, oh, I, I know you have experience building micro influencer programs of like in the thousands of people. So like, how did you do that? I'm sorry, what? <laughs> like, uh, like I think I just lost my internet connection. Like that's like, absolutely not. Uh, Going through a tunnel right now, gotta go, bye. <laughs> I literally am screaming. Like I, I, it's not okay. And like saying, learning how to say no is one of the most powerful, um, I don't wanna say tools, but like one of the most pow powerful things you can learn to do and do. Uh, when it comes to business, you have to, like, we're such yes people, like you want to do it all and you want to help people you want to do it and give people everything. But like, at some point you have to learn to say no and be okay with that. And there's a reason why you're saying no. And if the other person isn't okay with that, then maybe it's not a relationship you should continue with from a business perspective. You know, it's like, I wouldn't do that. I'm really, like, yeah, I'll help I, you build a micro influencer program, but like, I'm going to invoice you for the whole thing. <laughs> That's, that was actually going to be my question is like, I know how I handle as an objection when people are like, I'd love to pick your brain, but like, what is, what is your response to that as somebody who, you know, like we're service providers, but our service is like brand X coaching, like, you know, like strategy, like we're not a service provider. Like I'm going to cut your hair. So like when someone like nobody would go to a hairstylist and say like, I'd love for you to cut my hair for free. So like, how do you handle that objection of like, Amanda, how do I build a micro influencer campaign? Like, I want to pick your brain over lunch. Oh man. Um, I'm still learning how to handle it, to be honest. <laughs> 
um, I usually put the question back on them. What kind of micro influencer program would you like to build? Like, what are you thinking? What are your budgets? What are your parameters? Like, yeah, there's a lot of ways you could go about it. Like, if you want to put together a strategy and like, if you want to work on this together, like we can figure out like, you know, a scope of work and a fee and everything for that. Like if it's, if it's like a good, if it's like one of my best friends and they have a question about their business or a client or something like I, that's, I mean, obviously different. Yeah, it's different, but like. If someone's wanting to pick your brain to help them grow their business and they're someone that you interact with on mainly a business level, like you got to set boundaries and you got to be like, okay, if you want to do this, we can do this together and I'll help you do it. But here's what I'm going to do. And here's what it's going to cost you. Like you didn't get all of this experience to give it to people for free. I love talking about setting boundaries, you know, that, and like you even texted me like a week or so ago and you were like, how do you structure your schedule so that people aren't calling you all day long? So I'm really curious, like you're a new entrepreneur, you're a new business owner, like tell me like what a day is like for you. Like how did, what's your morning routine? How do you work with clients? Do you have days that you just do calls? How have you set yourself up for success? So I'm still adapting and transitioning to be honest with you. And I'm trying to have my, keep my days as structured as possible because I'm a creature of habit and especially coming from a corporate world where you're used to having to log on at nine and you're still working until, you know, six or seven, whatever, you might pop off for a break, like trying to manage that and make sure that I have time to actually do work and not just sit on calls all day and get interrupted, which I know you, um, you know, that's part of your day as well. So like I get up in the morning and I walk my dog and probably drink a Celsius and my athletic greens and, you know, go about my day, answer <laughs> emails <laughs> not to do any product placement here but um yeah so I, I i answer emails in the morning i try to not do calls um before 10 i had a call at 8 30 this morning so that was mm. great um and like i don't mind it like if i'm gonna take calls early in the morning that's fine but i'm gonna block out a few hours of my day to like go for my run or go to the gym or do what i need to do um and then take calls like i'm, I'm not gonna take calls after 4 p.m anymore like it's just you know it's not, it's not something I want to do anymore. <laughs> like there's nothing worse than like a six o'clock call on a Thursday or something, you know, but, um, how are you, yeah, how are you feeding to, yourself? Like, how are you like, not like, how are you like filling your cup up? I guess is a great question to ask. Unplugging on the weekends and in the evenings. Um, mm. I have really started to enjoy my time not working and when i'm not working i'm not working um i'm not sending emails i'm not you know checking in on a client i i like i need to unplug and disconnect and to your point like refill my cup um so yeah I, does that answer your question i don't know do you want to yeah. know what i do in my free time i mean i i want to know everything but in a different <laughs> offline kind of way <laughs> but no it's i i'm learning how to structure my days as someone who's independent and doesn't have to report to someone at the end of the day right so like if i want my fridays to be flexible like i just i'm setting a rule and like i'm not taking calls on fridays i'm not doing meetings like i'll work and catch up on what i need to and then i'm gonna go enjoy my life like yeah yeah i think that's like such a hard boundary that you were really smart to establish at the get-go because like a lot of my clients one of the biggest things when i say like give me you know your top few goals they'll say I don't want to work every day. And I'm like, you do what? And then they're like, and I don't want to work Sundays. And I'm like, you do what? And I don't want to be on my phone at 10 o'clock. And I'm like, what the 
like, like, and I feel like if you don't just establish that boundary, and I think I kind of texted you like a, a like page long of like type of like, you have to push back on people a little bit of like, if you don't establish this boundary from the get go, and you're not really firm about when you are and are not available, it's really easy to let it run your life. And I'm really happy to hear that you've made those conscious choices of like, this is my time and this is not your time. Yeah. Yeah. And to be honest, I've asked a lot of women who are like us in similar positions, who are consultants, who are entrepreneurs, who are small company owners, the same question. Like, how do you set boundaries? Wait, like, how I, do you- I wasn't special. I thought I... <laughs> one of like three okay I act like it's a huge slew of people but like you're in the trusted circle of three perfect Perfect. every single like I I just I think it's important for for people like us to know that it's okay to set boundaries and every single person that I asked was like oh no no I only take meetings on Monday Wednesday and Friday from Mm -hmm. 10 to 2 Tuesday Mm -hmm. and Thursday are my I don't take meetings or you know whatever it might be or I only do meetings Monday through Friday from 11 to three, like every, every person who I asked had an answer. So I'm like, you know what? Okay, cool. I'm going to do what works for me as well. And for my clients. So I have clients on the East coast or in Europe or the Midwest, whatever, like, yes, I will like figure out the right cadence and the right schedule, but like make it a schedule, like let people know that, you know, this is how I work. And if we're going to work together, this is like how I need to do it to be able to give you the best services at the end of the day. And I think that's true. I'm not making that up, but it's okay to I was, do that. <laughs> I love that. I was listening to Mariana Hewitt on Jay Shetty's podcast recently, and she said a lot of successful people around me journal and meditate to start their day. So I started journaling and meditating, and it's made me more successful. What habits have you implemented into your life that have made you more successful? I'll let you know when I get there. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'm going to try meditating and journaling for one. That sounds like riveting. Um, actually, you know what? Focusing on sleep has been really important for me. Um, I've always deprioritized sleep and especially on the weekends, like letting myself sleep in and rest and recharge and do whatever I need to do. Like it's okay to rest and to not be having to go, go, go 24 seven. And when I'm tired and exhausted and run down, my brain just doesn't, doesn't function as well. So to answer your question, I would say, um, making sure that I am getting enough sleep during the week and taking advantage of weekends to sleep in, to rest, to like recharge for what's coming and to not feel like tired all the time. I love that. So what the average listener of this episode does not know is that Amanda has single-handedly kept the brand Celsius in business. That's how much she consumes her energy drinks. And when I was pregnant and cannot drink Celsius, Amanda drank my share for me. So like, thank you for keeping them in business for all of us. Oh my God. Um, really trying to cut back, but they're just so good. They're so delicious. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so I'm going to, I'm going to let you go. Cause I know you have a lot to do and a, and a puppy that's waiting for you. But I guess I have like two questions left for you. One of them is, is a new question I want to end the show with. And one of them is a question I end every episode with, but you talked earlier about women supporting women and it's not a cheesy concept to me because, you know, you and I have a friendship where we have always been able to support each other. What is something that you wish more women could do to support each other? Or what is a, is a way that we as women could support each other better? 
That's a really good question. Um, I would say first and foremost, be better listeners and be open to listening to each other um, and listening to people's stories, to their challenges, to their successes, um, because the best way to learn is by listening. And when you're talking, you're not necessarily listening. Um, so I think when, a, when another woman comes to you, regardless of if she's a colleague, a friend, um, an acquaintance, a friend of a friend, give them the opportunity to talk and listen to what she has to say. Because I don't think women talk just to talk a lot of times, especially in regards to um, business or something important. So listen, and I think with that, we can all learn together and do better at like supporting each other and lifting each other up and being like, oh, I might, you know, be able to help you with this or have um, an idea with that or give you some advice here or know someone. Like the only way we can like be better as a society is to listen and learn and like be respectful of each other. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. I feel like, you know, as you were saying that you said, we need to listen more. And my first thought was like to chime in. And I was like, no, no, shut the, shut the fuck up. Like <laughs> she's, she's speaking like, like to Kamala Harris, like you're speaking. Um, I think that's really beautiful. And I think that you said something of that. We're all trying to say something, but sometimes we're so busy. Like we're so busy waiting to speak that and to share what we want to share that we miss what that person is trying to say. Yeah. I feel like that's happened a lot in my experience, you know, it's like the only way to learn and to grow is by listening. Like, how are you going to, mm. or read, I guess, I don't know, maybe you like, read. who does that? I don't, <laughs> but yeah, I think that's my biggest, my biggest piece of advice right now or dream that. other than world peace, but world peace. Um, last question. And then Louis gets to go for a walk. If you could um, go back in time, tell your younger self any piece of advice, how old would you be and what would you tell her? I would have been 23, maybe 22. And it would have been, you don't have to be the CMO tomorrow. Mm. does that does that count as advice like you don't have to that do counts. that like you have your whole life to achieve your career goals and um just like slow down and embrace it and be content and at peace and happy with where you are at any moment you don't have to do everything tomorrow you don't have to run your first marathon tomorrow you don't have to do a triathlon by tomorrow. You don't have to be the president of a company or the chief marketing officer by tomorrow. Like you are literally so young and have so much to learn and have like a huge, huge path and future and everything ahead of you. So slow down. It's cool. You know, it's not that serious. Maybe that's my advice. It's not that serious. It's not that serious. In that same podcast with Mariana Hewitt, God, I'm like, I sound like a huge fangirl. I mean, I am, but. Same. She was she was saying that 
whenever we put together this like this like dream of ours for life, right? We say like, I want to accomplish this by 30 because Forbes really screwed us by doing like Forbes 30 under 30. I want to do this by 40. Who has a list that says, I want to do this by 60. I want to do this by the time I'm 80, right? Like we, we like act like you have to accomplish everything by the time you're 30 or 40 years old or like your life is over. But like, that's like not even half of your life. Yeah. So like slow down, calm down. Like you have so much more to live for and like if you accomplish everything that you want in life at 40 like one like teach me your ways and like good for you but then what else are you going to live for yeah and are you happy like I would love to ask all these people Forbes 30 under 30 whatever like are you genuinely happy like I Mm -hmm. hope so but like coming from someone who has just like been grinding her whole life and like work, work 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 I wasn't happy and I think like you have to focus on ha- like your happiness first and foremost, as opposed to just like achieving your goals before anyone else and climbing to the top before anyone else or faster than anyone else, whatever it might be. But yeah, you're hundred percent right. And I love that quote from Mariana Hewitt. That's or a topic rather. Very that interesting. Was gonna, no one's gonna look at you at the end of your life and be like, she did it the fastest, no. except you are the fastest runner. So just like, I'll match it. <laughs> but this is the problem <laughs> this is the problem like everything like like oh my god my boyfriend and I were playing sequence last night that stupid game and we played it for like three hours and we were so competitive and like with like the board just kept getting tied up like we no one would win a game because we were just blocking each other and was like why are we so competitive like relax it's just a game it's not that serious game. that can be our that can be our title it's not that serious, not that serious. that's gonna be the podcast <laughs> new model of it and I love you. Thank you so much. I love you. This was so fun. Thank you for Where? being awesome and a good friend and, and for helping to inspire and empower and teach others your ways, myself included. I wish. I wish. Where can everyone find you, connect with you? They want to, they want to, you know, pitch you to get to work with them. Pimp yourself out, girl. Um, you can follow me on Instagram at agency ALMC or personally at Amanda.Laner, L-E-H-N-E-R, or you can DM Danielle and she'll DM me. <laughs> I'll connect. I'll link everything in the show notes. But if you want to see Amanda's cutest dog, Louie, follow her personally. Also, she posts a lot of ice cream. So like just, you know, if you're going to follow her, like just know you're going to be hungry. So it's going to be ice cream tonight for sure. So get ready. Love, love that journey for you. And probably some shit's creek. So same. <laughs> <laughs> Love you, girl. Thanks for Love everything. Love you. Bye.